these scriptures here tonight about uh, not giving up. And uh, it's uh, to me it's uh, probably the most important uh, uh, facet after you've uh, heard the word and received the Holy Spirit, not only you think it is, it is the most important facet, facet of our, uh, the rest of our life here on earth, is the fact that we can see clearly enough to be able to see the, uh, that the Lord is, uh, has a special uh, course for you and I. And uh, I don't suppose uh, uh, any of us, and perhaps as I said before, there could be some people here tonight uh, who haven't uh, met the Lord, who haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, probably don't fully understand what we're talking about in this, uh, this stage. But once we've received the Holy Spirit, uh, the Bible says that we uh, have been saved by the grace of God, and we have to walk on. But of course, uh, to come to the Lord, it's just not a matter of saying, well, I, uh, I want to become a Christian. That's what the world talks today. It says, uh, you know, a person says, oh, I want to become a Christian. They get a little bit of a pricking in the heart, they can uh, they condemn the, perhaps of the things they're doing, or perhaps they've heard of uh, somebody like you, uh, people here, uh, who have been filled with the Holy Spirit and has made them uh, realise the fact that this life has got nothing to offer. And uh, they decide then that they want to do something about it. Well, uh, the, Lord is, uh, the Lord is calling you. The Bible says that uh, the church is uh, made up of spiritual people. And we have to be called to the Lord. So number one is the calling of the Lord. When we've been called of the Lord, uh, the Lord looks upon the heart, the Bible says, and uh, if we're responding to the word, uh, God says that he sealed us with the uh, spirit of promise, the spirit of the, the Holy Ghost. And the Lord uh, seals us with this uh, uh, Holy Spirit. The Bible says the spirit is given to us for a reason. It is the power unto salvation. We receive the Holy Spirit uh, to guide us, the Bible says, and lead us into all truths. And when we walk along with the Lord, the Bible says that we are then to walk in the ways of the Lord or walk in the Spirit. And uh, as I said, perhaps you may not have received the Holy Spirit. And it may seem a bit uh, strange to you, well, how can I walk in the ways of the Lord? Well, first of all, we have to look to the Lord to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as I said before, the Spirit itself will lead us into all truths. But uh, I want to start off this, this evening, and this is this afternoon, uh, this evening in uh, John chapter 15. Just a couple of little verses here in the Gospel of John and chapter 15. I'm saying just now that uh, to come to the Lord is not a matter of saying, well, I'm going to become a Methodist, or I'm going to become a Catholic, or I'm going to become a C of E, or Baptist, or something like this. We have to be called of the Lord to enter into his church. We might read up a couple of verses here which will fortify this. In chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, we read in verse 14, Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. And of course Jesus here was talking to his disciples. He said that they were his friends if they, if they kept his word. He hasn't changed, you know. God hasn't changed. The Bible says that uh, he's the same yesterday and today and forever. We're told that from the scriptures. He changes not. In the Old Testament we read there, God says, I am God and I change not. 
And the Lord still expects us to respect his word and to keep his word. So often today, uh, people uh, say uh, such things as, uh, I can't understand why uh, I'm not receiving uh, benefits from the Lord, that uh, perhaps other people are, and in uh, many cases they haven't kept the commandments of the Lord. I came out of an organisation of where they didn't baptise people. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptised shall be saved. In fact, when the word was told to me first, one of the first things that came to me was the fact that I had to get baptised. And the first meeting I went to, there was no need to put me or to twist my arm up my back to be baptised because I could see from the word of God that it was important. Praise the Lord. I uh, accepted that part of it. Yes, Jesus said we had to keep his commandments. Then in verse 16 we read here, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. Now, um, you know, the world has uh, ceremonies called uh, ordinations, churches, where they adore, where they ordain people, uh, so called to preach the gospel. We see from the scriptures here that the Lord does the choosing and that he also does the ordination. People here tonight who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, you have been ordained of God to preach the gospel. People who receive an ordination of men receive a certificate stating that they are a minister of religion or something like this. Uh, it hasn't got the seal of approval. The ordination from God is the receiving the Holy Spirit. We are made, the Bible says, able ministers of the gospel when we receive the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Lord says here that we haven't chosen him. He has chosen us and he's ordained us that we should go forth and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Now I'm going to look at the selfish side of this tonight where the Lord says here that you may bring forth fruit. Now, I, uh, I've heard people, and I believe it's quite so, that the Lord is saying to you and I that uh, freely we've received and freely we should give, therefore we should go out and we should preach the gospel and so that the, the uh, uh, more people can be added unto the Lord. This is bearing fruit also. But I believe here tonight we're going to look at the fact of bearing fruit ourselves, individually, you know, it's, uh, we should be very uh, selfish about one point, and that is that we are right with God. You know, we can't go out and preach the gospel if we haven't got our own house in order, if we haven't got ourselves in order, if the fruit is not growing on us. You know, uh, I've been over gossip there. <laughs> it's an amazing place. I left from uh, Adelaide here two years ago, which is the... Uh, I think we used to say here, I think we still say it, is that the, uh, the driest state and the driest continent and uh, has a 21-inch a year average rainfall, I think it is, and Gosford uh, has an average uh, rainfall of 52 inches a year, which is over double, two, nearly two and a half times, that of Adelaide. And the first two years over there, or nearly the first two years, uh, they had uh, terrible droughts and I think the first year we got something other like 12 inches of rain. And you know, uh, 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 a lot of the, the fruit trees over there weren't bearing fruit because they weren't being watered. The Lord's saying here to you and I that we are to go forth and to bring forth fruit. 
Now, if we're not allowing the tree, you know, the Bible says that when we receive the Holy Spirit, that God implants within us his seed. He puts his seed right within us. The Bible says that we're born of the flesh, that's our first birth, man and a woman, and we have the seed of, the, of our father, comes within us, and we, be, uh, we eventually become a human being. But the Bible says to enter the kingdom, kingdom of God that we have to be born again. And when we receive the new birth, which is being born again, when we receive the new birth, the Bible says that the seed of God is implanted within us. And then we start to grow. And the Bible says here, from this scripture, that we are to go forth from the time that we have received this new seed, we are to go forth and start to bear fruit. Now, if we're living in a dry and a barren situation like Gosford was for, for 12 months, we would find out that there wouldn't be much fruit coming forth. But, uh, you know, in the revival centres, we, uh, we preach uh, pretty soundly to people that they're not to forsake the assembling of themselves together. We tell people that they must get down and pray in the Holy Ghost, that they must read and hear the Word of God. And these are the things which will make sure, if we do these things, we will make sure that we will not be barren. But if we don't do these things, we will be barren and we'll come to a time of when we say, it is too hard, I can't go on because we haven't got the seed of God firmly growing within us. We must not fall for that trap. You know, the Lord has called us, we see from the scriptures, into a battle. We are now, as the Bible says, soldiers for the Lord. He uses many terms there, of course, but we just think of that one. Soldiers for the Lord. Now, uh, I've never been to war. I suppose I can say I was one of those lucky ones. I was too young for the, I nearly said the First World War. <laughs> I know if Brother Graham was here, he would have said the First World War. But uh, I was too young for the Second World War, and I was too old, apparently, they didn't want an old codger like me in the, in the Vietnam War, or whatever it was. But I know, uh, I've watched uh, a few things on television, I've been able to see a few things that happen in war, I don't like the thoughts of or looks of things that happen in war. But there are a few things there we can think of. And, uh, and that is that, uh, that when we go to war, we go to war against an enemy. And that enemy out there is not going to sit back and say to us, well, you know, there's a nice looking bloke over there, I won't shoot at him. The enemy's out there to kill you, to go for you. We got the, they have the snipers around there, around there, the outskirts of things, and they'll pip you off if they can. They'll set ambushes for you. The enemy is out there to get us. You know, uh, mankind doesn't realise the fact there is one great enemy. There's a greatest enemy of life, of the lot, that's out there to get it. He doesn't have the bullets, but he has other ways that he can come at us. And that's the devil. He comes at us in many ways. We're in a fight now, the Bible says. We're in a battle. The Bible says that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Our fight warfare, the Bible says, is against spiritual wickedness in high places. And uh, we might think, well, where could this be? Where, what, you know, what war have I got to come against? Well, I uh, think probably the first war that we come against is our own thoughts. The things we think about. But the Bible says that we've got to learn to to put them down or to mortify them. Learn how to uh, put down the, the, uh, the desires of the flesh. Things that are going to impede our walk in the Lord. 
Yes, and there's the old devil out there as uh, snipers trying to pip us off. You know, um, there's a tragedy. I don't like to talk this way, but sometimes we have to. And uh, just thinking of a, uh, so often we hear people, the coming of the Lord, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, walking along with the Lord, and all of a sudden uh, somebody other from some uh, Pentecostal group or something like that starts blowing down the ears of uh, the new convert and telling them that uh, they uh, were... <laughs> The little thing that was told out there, I don't know they're looking at me over in Gosford or not, but somebody had to spread a rumour around there that the Gosford Revival Centre were only old people going there. And, uh, well, I suppose Thelma's getting a bit old. I mean, uh, Thelma and I are getting old a bit. I'm in trouble again. Um, when I, uh, when I heard this, I was a bit, I couldn't uh, believe, I couldn't believe my ears because, I mean, most of the uh, young folk in our, most of the folk in our assembly are young couples. But this person said to me, he said, well, we were told that the revival centres only had old people going there. And of course, uh, you know, the devil can use any sort of little lever that he can. And don't forget you are still in that fight. And in uh, many cases these people, they race them off down to an organisation there where they have uh, things that are not in the scripture. But the tragedy of the whole thing is this, that the convert, the new convert, he is too young to know of the traps. He's too young to know what is going on out there in that world. He, uh, the pastor will say to him, uh, you know, and probably, I don't know, I could imagine you've been warned from this platform here before of the fact to make sure that you keep your eyes firmly placed upon the Lord and be careful what people in the world say, and uh, particularly religious people. Because, uh, you know, the Bible says there in... Uh, in um, the second Corinthians there, it says that the devil uh, has got his ambassadors. And it says something out about this, I'm ad-libbing a bit, it says something there about the fact that uh, his own ministers are done up as ministers of light. And as a result, the, uh, the new convert, who's just been filled with the Holy Spirit, is led astray. But where the problem comes in is this. He goes up to an organisation... In many cases, and in most cases, the person who brings them, who brings this message to them, themselves have been filled with the Holy Spirit. They speak in tongues. They uh, know what it's all about. They receive the Holy Spirit, they speak in tongues. But they go along to this other group, which uh, tells people that they don't have to speak in tongues to be saved. Oh yes, you can receive the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, but you don't have to speak in tongues to be saved. And of course the convert becomes very confused about the issue, and he doesn't refer back to the scriptures. He listens to what men say. And that's one thing we have to watch. Is that the old devil is there. And he can use any ammunition he likes to try and draw you away. The scriptures say that the devil is going around like a roaring lion trying to devour those whom he may. Now I want to give you a bit of a warning here. Before you came to the Lord, the devil didn't have to go roaring around trying to get you because the scriptures say before you come to the Lord that you belong to this earth. And the Bible says that the devil himself is the prince of this world. So we automatically belong to this world of where the ruler of this world is Satan. We can certainly see that today. Let's uh, uh, look at that very clearly. Look what's going on in the world today. See what's happening. I come from a place over there, a little place just south of me called Sydney. 
and uh, uh, it's a place of crime. There's no doubt about that. Every day there's somebody being murdered over there. There are people uh, today, uh, well I know you're getting the same uh, problems over here, uh, alcohol, drugs particularly. Children are being uh, succumbed uh, by uh, somebody up there wanting them to, uh, uh, to get them onto drugs. The devil working. And we can see that we can look far beyond that and we can see the problems of the world today looming up as the scriptures say would be like in the last days. And here we see uh, wars and uh, strife and that going on all over the face of the world. Yes, we have a battle. You know, we're not going to be able to go out into the world and stand out on top of uh, Mount Lofty or something other and call out to Adelaide and say, all you people down there, if you don't repent, you're going to uh, go to hell or something like that. I wish we could do that at times. But it doesn't work that way. We have to go out and sow this seed, the gospel of salvation to individual people. We have got a fight on our hands. But let us not feel in ourselves that we can't go on. It's getting hard. Oh, I witnessed to Billy Jones down the street there the other day and uh, he, uh, I've witnessed to him so many times now. I think I'll give up. Well, there's some people sitting here tonight who have witnessed for quite some time before they came for Lord. Perhaps it may be worthwhile thinking about that little side of it alone. Alright, let's go back to, uh, to the Old Testament. Just for one scripture here, or a couple of scriptures here in the book of Numbers, chapter 21. Oh, I don't know whether we needed to turn it to it. It's only just uh, one little verse here. <coughs> Seeing you there, we'll look at it. In Numbers chapter 21, this is the story, of course, where Moses uh, was leading the children of Israel out of their bondage. Now, you and I have been led out of our bondage also. The Bible says that we were in bondage to sin. And the Lord led us. And uh, the Lord used at this, at this time, he used this man Moses as his uh, leader. And Moses had uh, been leading these people out and he'd gone, uh, come to the Red Sea, he passed through the Red Sea. You probably know the story there. <clears throat> the Lord working great miracles for these people. Part of the waters, they went through dry shop the other side. And they were starting on their walk then to go into the promised land, into the land of Palestine. We read down there in verse 4 of number 21, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much, was much discouraged because of the woe. And the people spake against God and against Moses, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And here we see the people. The Bible says here, they were discouraged because of the wine. Now I suppose uh, not every one of us here can say that uh, we've had, since we got filled with the Holy Spirit, that we've had a beautiful you know, a level walk in the Lord. I would dare to say that God's got a reason why you wouldn't, He wouldn't let you have a good walk like, uh, uh, you know, uh, without any uh, problems coming before you. 
any circumstances coming before you. Because the Bible says that we need to be tried. We need to be the, need to be tempted, the scriptures say that. The Lord doesn't tempt us. The Bible says that we're tempted because of our own lusts. But we need this trying of our faith. Without the trying of our faith, we would be, well, I suppose we'd be like zombies, wouldn't we? We'd be just carried along. Now, the Lord is not interested in that. The Lord is uh, leading us through the way. He knows what's before us. We're told from the very scriptures there that he has already trod the path for us. He was born of the flesh here himself, born of a woman. His father was the Holy Ghost. But he was born of a woman, the reason being so that he could go through the trials and tribulations that you and I are likely to go through. Remember this. Always remember that. You know, sometimes we might think of Jesus as uh, perhaps as an angel or perhaps as God himself and that he wasn't tempted or that he didn't have to go through trials and tribulations. Jesus was in the same situation as you and I. The Bible says he didn't pay in. He didn't give up. Praise the Lord for that because we wouldn't be here tonight. But you know, sometimes we get a little bit discouraged from the way. Very alarming when people get discouraged because uh, they're told they're not allowed to perhaps do or perhaps to enter into some of the lusts of the flesh that they're involved with before they came to the Lord. It's very discouraging for the oversight when uh, we have to tell people time and time again that it's necessary to seek the Lord uh, diligently so that they can overcome the lusts of the, fr- the flesh. But we're going to have little things coming our way and these people, they become discouraged. And uh, the part is here, we're not going to read it, but you might like to read it when you go home. They ended up by murmuring against Moses. I don't know, I uh, I suppose uh, Pastor Coleman or Pastor Jock or uh, Pastor Graham at the times have had a people murmur against him, against them. I don't suppose this happens very often. But in reality... A person who uh, who murmurs against the oversight, against his pastor, is not murmuring against his pastor. He's murmuring against God. And we might like to read on there where the Lord set fiery serpents amongst them because the Lord was upset with them. Why? Because they become discouraged in the way. Look, I, I can imagine the situation of these people. I, I don't know... Uh, where these figures come from, but I, I've uh, heard figures say, state that uh, when the children of Israel moved out of the land of Egypt, there would have been approximately two and a half million of them. Two and a half million people. Don't forget in that uh, group of people, there would be some very old people, older than me, elderly people there, some very young people, little children, like my little grandson, isn't it? Uh, we're not supposed to talk about that. Uh, a little children, little babies. And uh, I suppose the way would have been hard. But you know what? God had said to these people, I am going to take you to the promised land. You know, Jesus has made the same promise to you and I. He said to you and I, come follow me. I will take you into that promised land. You know, we're reading back here in John chapter 15, I didn't sort of press on the point there, where the Lord says that we have been ordained of him. You know, uh, I don't suppose there's anybody here really knows 
what the Lord, the Lord has got in store for you and I. I see scriptures in the Bible that talks about when the Lord comes back, how in the twinkling of an eye we're going to be changed, how we're going to meet the Lord in the air, uh, how we're going to be forever with the Lord, how the Lord says at one stage there in the Psalms there that we shall go out and we shall rule uh, with the Lord over the over the tribes of Israel. Some will go into rule over cities of 10,000, some 5,000, some hundreds of thousands. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I believe from the Scriptures that the Lord has called everybody in this room here tonight, not because of your good looks, not because of your good ways, but he's called you, the Bible says, for an absolute purpose. He's ordained you as ministers to go out and preach his gospel and also to make sure that as you walk on the Lord that you are bearing fruit for yourself, that you are allowing the word of God to work the work that has been sent forth to do within your life. And as you hear the word of God, and as you start to believe the word of God, things will happen in your life. You know, God has always worked in signs, miracles and wonders. The Lord is, wants to perform in your life and in my life signs, miracles and wonders. And as we walk along with him, we should not become discouraged. Yes, there are going to be a few little obstacles in the way. You know, it's an amazing thing when you've gone through or passed that obstacle and a few months later you look back and you see how small it is and yet it may have almost tripped you up at the time. But just keep going because there's a great reward on the other end. Let's turn to Psalm 78. We might start off in verse 1. We'll have a look as we go down and see if we can cut some of it out as we go. Give him, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob, and he appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children who should be born, who should rise, arise and declare them to their children. Of course the Lord uh, with Israel, uh, with the word itself, means rulers and princes of God. The idea was that they were to become an example unto the rest of the world, and they were to go up and they were to do the things of God. But as we know, they're supposed to pass this on down to their children, but as we know, they fell short of that. Down there in verse 12, or in verse 11, he, he, uh, they forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvellous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and he caused them to pass through. And he made the waters to stand up as in heat. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams uh, also out of the rock and caused water to run down like rivers. And they sinned more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lusts. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish table in the wilderness? And you see here a rebellious people. People uh, who rebelled against the very uh, God who was doing everything for them. He provided them water when they needed it. He provided them uh, food 
Because angels who we told in the scriptures are manna that came down from heaven, down from above. And yet they went on and they murmured. They said, oh, we loathe this, uh, this manna that, that God has given to us. No good to us. We want our steaks. We want our chops and this sort of thing. We want our leeks and we want our garlic. Yes. I don't know. I said this the other day and in in talking the other day about the, the leeks and the garlics. And I said, I just can't stand either of them, any of them. And everybody there seemed to like them. All but me. No, they just, they got their eyes off God. God was uh, uh, leading them out of the bondage and yet uh, we see from the scriptures there that they wanted to go back in it again. They wanted to go back into what they had. You know, what about you and I? Do we ever feel this way at times? Oh, I'd like to go back where I was. I was comfortable back there. I'll tell you what, you were sick when you were back there also. You had many problems that you now have forgotten about. But you had greater problems back there than you'll ever have in the kingdom of God. It reminds me of a friend of mine. He uh, came out from England some, uh, a friend of my family back my parents, he came out from England some, um, I'm talking about now, some about 25 years ago. They came out from England, they'd been in Australia for uh, about, eight, about eight or nine years. And uh, his wife used to be a person who, I mean, I don't know what it's like because I've been this way myself, but she used to be, get very homesick. And uh, a couple of times uh, they were able to afford some money and they let her go back to England. But she came out and she stayed, I think, for a period of around about six years. And they became very, she became very uh, longing, very much became longing, wanting to go back again to see, to see her friends back there. And she went back and she couldn't find one of them. She'd never seen so many problems in all her life. And she started to think of the people that she did meet and she started to think of the, the reasons why I'm not saying this study is better than I'm just saying, give you an example here. And she, and, uh, she came, she said that they looked and they saw that one of the reasons why they'd come to Australia was because they had problems there. But she'd forgotten these problems. She'd forgotten what it was like. It looked nice and rosy on the outside. And you know, sometimes we forget of the problems, the hassles that we had back in our old life. No, we should never Look back. The Lord even said that. He said that uh, something about the, the, the man that he's been called and looks back. He's not fit for the kingdom of God. We read on down here. Well, uh, down there in verse 31, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them. That's why I got out of it. And he smote down the chosen men of Israel. For all this they sinned still and believed not for his wondrous works. Therefore their days did he continue in vanity in the years of trouble. When he slew them, then they sought him, and they returned and inquired early after God. Yes, God uh, put plagues amongst them, and, they, and many of them died, many of them were uh, sick, and they turned back and looked back to God again. They went on to say, and they remembered that God was their rock, and the high God their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth. And they lied unto him with their tongue. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Yes, you know, we can't flatter God. We can't flatter him with our tongue like we can a man or a woman, somebody in this world. We can't, you know, it's easy, isn't it? 
to deceive somebody out there. You know, you're standing and talking to someone and they've got right under your skin. But you don't want to do the wrong thing by them. So you start flattering them. You say to them, you know, oh, you know, you sort of start building them up and give them a great boost. But in your heart, you're thinking, oh, I don't like to do this. You know, and that's what uh, people these people were trying to do to God. They were flattering God with their lips, but their heart wasn't in it. And God says he doesn't look upon the outward appearance. He looks right at the trouble spot. And he looks right at the heart and he saw the heart of these people. But you know what? The reason for this, the reason for all this problem with Israel was because they did not trust God. They did not put their faith in God. And down there in verse 41, we'll just look at this one verse here. It says, Yea, they turned back and they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. That's why they weren't getting anywhere. That's why they were slipping back. It was because they had tempted God and they had limited his hand. You know, God made great promises to, to you and I, the same as he did to them. He said to you and I, that you come to me and you ask anything. We read that, didn't we, back there in John. Ask anything in my name and I will do it. Don't forget, there's a prerequisite for that. For the Lord said, ye are my friends, if ye keep my word. Yes, if we start to limit the hand of God, he can't do anything for us. We're told there from the scriptures, for without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you are not getting your prayers answered from God, are you limiting God? Are you disbelieving what God has said, uh, the promises that God has made to you? Because all the promises are in here. You know, there's no reason why you and I shouldn't be the great spiritual giants of this world. Because we have everything. When we receive the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Lord gave us at that very time the power. He's also given to you and I his word. He's given us his Holy Spirit that we can build ourselves up in these things. Get down on your knees and pray in the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, and you build up your faith. Read and hear the word of God and you'll build up your faith. Assemble with the right people, with God's people, and you will build up your faith. Why? Because the Bible, as you realise the fact that a person filled with the Holy Spirit should be and usually is speaking about the Lord. He is talking faith. And if you're there to talk faith, you'll find that the victory is there. Don't limit the hand of God. That's what Israel did and that's why today some people are going backwards is because they are limiting the hand of God in their own life. John chapter 6 over the New Testament. I just want to use a little part of the scripture. John chapter 6. We read down there in verse 53 where the Lord says that except the man you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. This of course is talking about being partaker of the things of God. If we're not partakers of the things of God, how can we expect God to be working in our lives? If we're not able to partake of the great benefits that God has given to us, how can we expect God to be working in our lives? He goes on to say down there, um, in verse, uh, in verse, uh, we might, uh, we might pick it up down there in verse 66. And from that time, many of his disciples went back 
and they walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Peter knew that there was only one that could help him. Yes, he could have turned back. He could have turned back and, and gone with these other people and forgotten about Jesus. But Peter said no. He said, Lord, to whom shall we turn? You're the only one that has the, the words of eternal life. I wonder whether we think about that. I wonder whether we ever think about that. You know, one of the tragedies that has happened, I've, I've seen it happen uh, too many times, and that's when somebody gets themselves in a little bit of a, a spot, a little bit of a problem or something like that. They'll come to you and they'll say, Oh, I don't think I'll go on with the Lord any longer. I don't think I'll go on any longer. And uh, it's a terrible thing to think that uh, people do this. And I've seen people use this as a way, as a leader for themselves. In other words, they're looking for some sort of a sympathy. Because somebody other, perhaps as a girl, may have jilted the boy or something other like this, I won't go any longer. They use this as an excuse. Why don't they sit down and just think about this scripture here that Peter said, to whom, where shall we go? What are they going to do? If we are doubting God today, where are we going to go? Where do we turn? Now, the Bible says there, what if some do not believe? Does that make the word of God of none effect? Just because people don't believe God, he won't alter the word of God. The Russians today don't believe in the existence of God. That's their teaching. But it doesn't make any difference. There's a sticker on the back of the car you see at times. God made atheists also. It doesn't make any difference because a person agnostic or an atheist an atheist. It doesn't make any difference. God did certainly make Alright, we might just finish off, I think. Um, we might finish off in John chapter 12. <laughs> John chapter 12 and verse 42. Here was a problem that uh, many people had. And I believe it's the same problem today. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And uh, this is one of the reasons why people sometimes draw back from the things of God. They're uh, concerned that if they say something other, uh, they will lose a bit of, uh, they will lose a bit of prestige. Their friends uh, won't like them. This is talking about the religious leaders here, but uh, uh, sometimes it happens with uh, saints as well, people uh, that won't come to the Lord. The reason is because they're afraid of what somebody else out there might say to them. And the Bible says, that they love the praises of men more than the love of God. I hope that that is not any, a failing that anybody has here. Because if the day that the Lord comes back, that's the one where we want to hear, is we want to hear the Lord say, Thou good and worthy servant, enter into the joy of the Lord, enter in the kingdom of God. But of course if we deny him, how can we expect him to support us. How can we expect him to support us even now? Uh, we may have uh, some reason why we're not getting through to the Lord. I'm talking about, uh, you know, we're finding our walk going a little bit hard. 
Are we putting our trust in him? Are we denying him? Or are we putting our complete trust in him? Well, I hope tonight it hasn't been a negative uh, thought. I believe that uh, you and I are here tonight for one good reason, because we're going on with the Lord. And that we're rejoicing in the fact that uh, we are saved of the Lord. We're rejoicing in the fact that it isn't going to be long before we see the clouds open up and our Saviour return. You know, we have such a short time to even contemplate going out from the Lord is absolute suicide, isn't it? Because uh, we could be up from the Lord uh, five minutes and he could come back too late. No, we have to make sure that we're on fire with the Lord at all times. Now, perhaps there may be some here tonight, as I said earlier, who haven't made their peace with the Lord. But we're told in the Scriptures there that when you've been called to the Lord, that you are to repent. Over in the book of Acts there, we're told that you are to repent of your sins. In other words, you're to put down your old way of life. You are to be prepared to turn from the ways that you're going and turn unto God. It goes on to say there that you are to be baptised, every one of us, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. Yes, baptism is a commandment from the Lord. Right under the water, none of this infant sprinkling. Jesus Christ was buried, we're told, in the tomb. We're told in the book of Romans there that when in you and I get baptised, it's like the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've died for our way of life, we are buried in the waters of baptism, and the Bible says that we shall rise in newness of life. God will give us eternal life. He will give us the Holy Spirit. We then have to walk. Yes, we can't afford, once we receive that then, to turn back. Our direction should be one way. You know, the Lord says, it is a straight and it's a narrow way that enters that leads to the kingdom of God. We must make sure that we're following a straight and a narrow way.